Let's pray together. Lord, we do thank you for your blessings upon us. Uh, you have been so good to us, Lord, and um, I know that in my life I've had far more blessings than I deserve, for sure, and uh, thank you for your goodness. And Lord, I pray that in your goodness and your blessings that we might find more ways uh, to share uh, your blessings with others. We ask this in Christ's holy name, amen. I was thinking as I was sitting down there after the children's message that uh, the subject today is, is simplicity and stewardship, and I, I picked a really bad time to have my fishing equipment uh, here because Jeanette says I collect more equipment than I do fish, so uh, that, that, there may be some truth to that, so I'm going to have to do some repenting uh, myself uh, this morning. But the subject is simplicity and stewardship, and I want to begin by trying to define each of those, and then, of course, I got a scripture text that I want to share. Simplicity is seeking to uncomplicate and untangle our lives so that we can focus on what matters most. Stewardship is the voluntary and generous offering of God's gift of time, talents, and treasures for the benefit and love of God, and love of others. Those are some simple definitions that I've picked up at various places through the years. I believe these two disciplines are very much connected. For one thing, I, I believe that both disciplines are inward realities uh, that kind of work themselves out and become outward lifestyles. That is, I believe God first changes our hearts and our attitudes and those changes result in our living simple lives of stewardship. And the first inward reality that connects them both is that those who practice simplicity and those who practice stewardship have a strong sense that everything belongs to God, that everything belongs to God. Psalm 50, uh, verses 9 to 12. God is speaking here, and he's speaking to the Israelites about uh, their sacrifices. And he says in verse 9, I will not accept a bull from your house or goats from your fields. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills, and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and its fullness are mine." God is saying uh, here, one, he's saying to us, don't be so arrogant. Don't be so arrogant. God is saying to the Israelites, I don't really need your sacrifices, ultimately. I mean, after all, every beast of the forest is mine, as well as the cattle on a thousand hills. And oh, all the birds and, and the things moving in the fields, they're mine as well. And if I happen to be hungry, I, God, would have no need to tell you because, well, the world and all of its fullness are mine. Psalm 24, 1 says it very succinctly, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. A simple person, and here, remember, a simple person, we're not using that in a demeaning sort of way. 
This is a person that focuses on what matters most. A simple person is a good steward. And and they recognize that everything belongs to the Lord. They recognize that we're only caretakers for a season. So we need not cling so tightly to our possessions. I believe God wants you and I to have adequate material possessions. Scripture declares consistently that creation is good and it's to be enjoyed. Simplicity and stewardship are not about hating one's possessions. It's not about living in poverty. There, it's about not being uh, possessed by our possessions. It's about not being possessed by our possessions. And that leads to another inward attitude, and that is contentment. Contentment. Uh, 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 to 10. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Contentment goes back to the notion that everything belongs to the Lord. Verse 7, we brought nothing into this world and we cannot take anything out of the world. It's not ours. It's not ours. We're just stewards. We're just caretakers for a season of life. Therefore, verse 8, if we have food and clothing with these we will be content. But the problem in our modern world is that we suffer from what some have called the pandemic of affluenza. Affluenza. According to some research, we in America consume twice as many goods and services today as we did 50 years ago. During that same time, the size of our homes have tripled in size. Every day we purchase more clothing, appliances, cars, books, television, computers, phones, and so forth simply because we can, and in some cases even when we cannot. And listen, I'm not suggesting that you and I live lives of poverty, nor am I pointing fingers. And even if I was, there would be plenty of fingers pointing back at me. When Jeanette and I moved here almost 12 years ago, I was embarrassed at how much it cost the church to move us here because we had too much stuff. Quite frankly, we weren't worth it, that it what it cost. And that was after we had purged a lot of stuff, after we had been to landfills and thrift stores and, and gotten rid of box upon box of stuff. We even found boxes where our daughter had labeled it a stuff box. 
So I'm as guilty as the next. Further wealth and possessions are not inherently evil. The Bible does not condemn riches or possessions in and of themselves. I think we would rightly say that the Bible warns against being obsessed with possessions. But at the same time, the Bible talks about how possessions can be a good gift from a loving God. Some of you are probably quite familiar with the story of the rich man recorded in all three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It tends to have a lot of bearing on how people think about resources. Remember the man asked Jesus what he must do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus told him, well, keep all the commandments. And the man said, well, you know, I've kept all the commandments. I've kept them ever since I was a young man. And Jesus said, well, one thing you lack, go and sell everything and give it away and come and follow me. But the problem with this man that we sometimes miss is that he was trying to justify himself and earn salvation. I think Jesus knew full well that this man had not kept all the commandments perfectly all of his life. Jesus also knew full well that this man was wealthy. And to prove that he couldn't save himself, Jesus was saying, listen, if you think you can save yourself, prove it. Prove it by selling everything you got. And then come follow me. When Jesus said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the rich to enter the kingdom of God, the disciples asked Mark 10, 26, well, then who then can be saved. Listen carefully to Jesus' response. Verse 27, with man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. You see, the point being here for this man is whether rich or poor, he couldn't justify himself. He couldn't save himself. He couldn't do enough, whatever he did, to save himself. But that's not impossible with God. He saves us by his grace. Unfortunately, we've taken a story like this, as we typically do, and we've gone to great extremes. We've said that that the answer here is to either live an ascetic life like monks and and just give away everything and, and take a vow of charity, Or we've said on the other extreme is the health and wealth proponents who say, oh, no, 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 God would never ask you to give anything away. God wants you to have more, more, more. I don't think either extreme is the answer. I believe the question before us all is, are we willing to practice the discipline of simplicity and stewardship? And if we are, how much is enough? How much is enough how much does it take for us to be content you see the response to the rich man is certainly not to hoard and and to be greedy but neither is the response necessarily to give everything away some of us could be called to do that but then it's not necessarily the calling the response i believe for most of us is to seriously consider and act upon this question. Has the Lord blessed me not so I could have more, but so I could bless more? Has the Lord blessed me not so I could have more, but so I can bless more? 
so I could bless more people and give more to bless others. You see, those who are content are not consumed with consuming. They're simply willing to uncomplicate their lives and untangle their lives and willing to share some of their blessings with others. Aging and retirement has a way of causing all of us to ask how much is enough. Jeanette and I have been asking some of those questions about retirement. How how much is enough? And of course, that question would be a whole lot easier if we knew how long we were going to live. I mean, if we live, retire at 67 or 7 to 70 and we live into our 80s, well, that's one thing. If we retire at that same age and live like her parents did into their 90s and like my grandmother did to be 101, well, that's going to take another amount, right? How much is enough? But we don't know. We don't know. And that's where another inward reality comes into play. Ultimately, we must trust, beloved. We must trust. We do our part, but we trust. Ultimately, what's at stake for the rich man was, did he trust Jesus enough to follow him? Living a simpler life and being good stewards requires trusting that God will provide. Trusting that if I give God my first fruits instead of my leftovers, God will provide for my basic needs of food and housing and clothing. Trusting that if I focus on what matters most, following Jesus, God will take care of my basic needs. So we've considered three attitudes. Realizing it's all God's. Asking the question of what what makes me content? What does it take to be content? And can I trust God? Will I trust God that he'll provide? So what are some outward expressions? How might we live out the discipline of simplicity? Please note, I want to say that these are just suggestions. Anytime we come to a discipline like simplicity and stewardship, there's always this danger of going over into legalism. These are not must, they're simply suggestions for you to ponder on the discipline of simplicity. And I want to give credit where credit is due. I learned about these a long time ago from Richard Foster's book, uh, Celebration of Discipline. First, buy things for their usefulness rather than for their status. Buy things for their usefulness rather than for their status. Stop trying to impress people. Instead, buy what is useful. Something's wrong with our world, beloved. When a nine-year-old girl comes back from Christmas break and she's bullied because she didn't get a Stanley Cup tumbler. A cup. She didn't get a cup to drink out of and she's bullied. Something's wrong with our world. Stop trying to impress. Develop a habit of giving some things away. Maybe some of us need to look and not wait till everything's worn out to, to take it to my friend's closet. Maybe we need to go a little earlier and give some things away. Learn to enjoy things without having to own everything. You don't have to have every book. That's why we have libraries. A vacation home would be great. 
but it also complicates your life and it, it, it makes things more difficult in your budget. Develop a deeper appreciation for God's creation. Feed the birds, take a walk, notice the sunrise. Give glory to God that everything belongs to him. And let me urge you to always look with great skepticism at buy now and pay later. I know we got to do it for homes. I know we need to do it for cars. But on so many of those other things, look with skepticism. That stuff puts you in bondage so many times. It just puts you in bondage where you have no margin in your budgets. Some ways to simplify your loves. Now, what about outward expressions of stewardship? Well, I believe it begins with tithing. A tithe not only of our money, but I think of it in terms of the three T's, time, talents, and treasures. I've personally been convicting that tithing means giving at least 10% of my time, talents, and treasures to the Lord's ministry, and particularly to the local church. The belief in a 10% tithe comes from the Hebrew word for tithe, which means a tenth part, or one-tenth. Leviticus 27.30, for example, every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord. You can find lots of other references to tithing in the Old Testament. But some of you would rightly point out, well, wait a minute, but the New Testament Christians were not obligated uh, to a 10% tithe, were they? They were encouraged to give voluntarily. I agree. But remember, tithing was an act of worship long before there were Old Testament laws. Tithing was an act of worship long before there were Old Testament laws. Genesis 14, Abram gave God a tenth of everything. He actually gave it to Melchizedek, the priest of God. Genesis 28, Jacob promised God, of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. Another passage to ponder in Matthew 23, Jesus declared his woes to the scribes and Pharisees. And in verse 23, he said this, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. Justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Notice what he did. He rebuked them for neglecting justice and mercy and faithfulness. But he told them to keep on tithing. He implied, don't stop the other. Just also add justice and mercy and faithfulness. But look, I don't want to be legalistic here. And the last thing I want to do is to heap guilt upon you. How much you tithe should always be voluntary. You must decide in your own heart what God's calling you to give. But let me say this. Good stewardship should never be about how much is required. It should never be the question of what is the minimum required. Good stewardship should be, how much can I give? What is my privilege to give back to the Lord? Good stewardship is about intentionally developing a generous lifestyle flowing from love of God and love of others.
And I believe the guiding principle can be found in 2 Corinthians 9. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he or she has decided in his or her heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So here's what I want to challenge you in your outward expression of stewardship. Decide in your own heart what you can give. Seriously consider what can I give back to the Lord through my time, my talents, and my treasures to His ministry. And I believe it should begin here in the ministry of the local church. I always have. And then beyond that, we spread it to other places that we might want to bless. And let me say again that what I'm about to suggest is not intended to be legalistic. It's not intended to be a must. But I've provided a handout with a brief description of our ministry teams in your, in your bulletin. They do a lot more than what's listed on those teams, but that's just a brief description. So here's what I want to challenge you to do this year. To ponder the question, how might I give time, talents, and treasures to one of those ministry teams? We'll talk about service some next week, but how might I invest time, talents, and treasures on one of those teams? You might start by talking with the elder liaison on one of those teams. I think welcoming's meeting today after worship. Best listed there. I think security's meeting after worship today. You could talk with the security team. Uh, start by talking with the elder liaison and just ask them to tell you more about their team. And then maybe you could just go to one of those team meetings. No obligation? Just go. Just go and see whether or not it might be a good fit for you to invest time, talents, and, and treasures. If it doesn't work, no worries. Check out another team. If that doesn't work, talk with me. Uh, we'll talk about some other ways. You might give time, talents, and treasures this year. You know, for some reason, stewardship is a tough subject. Perhaps because too many pastors have made it too legalistic. I don't know. But it really shouldn't be difficult. It really shouldn't be offensive. It's really a matter, as 2 Corinthians 9 states, to decide in your own heart what the Lord wants you to give. It's that simple. May require some some attitude adjustments. May require adjusting our lifestyle a bit. But, But cheerful giving is not a burden. It's a privilege. It's an honor. Remember, it's all God's. Be content. Trust in the Lord. And then decide in your own heart, in your own family's heart, what is the Lord calling you to invest in His kingdom? Let's pray together. Lord, thank You for this church. This church has invested, invested well through the years.
a lot of good stewards here. I'm preaching to the choir in many ways today. And so thank you for these good stewards. Thank you for the investment through the years that folks have chosen to make in your kingdom here in Patrick County. And Lord, I just pray that you would continue to call us to be good stewards. To truly understand that it all belongs to you. To understand that we just hold it for a season. And we get to use it for a season. And so I pray that we would use those blessings wisely. We'd, we'd learn to be more content. That we'd learn to trust in you. And Lord, I just ask that you would speak into all of our hearts this day and help us discern how you want us to give time and talents and treasures for your kingdom. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace today and forevermore. Amen.